Hi guys, this is Rachel and Recover. We're back with David and Linda Pittman, and they're here to tell the rest of the story on their marriage and how being survivors of sexual abuse has impacted that. Um, How much have you noticed a spiritual abuse and sexual abuse being tied together with um, effect and effects of that? Well, what I referenced earlier, when it's you know when it's person, and 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 let me let me say there's two things that I think that that can be tied together. To me, the obvious one is is in cases like mine where the the offender is a minister or some part of the church. But I think also if the family member, if it's like a family member or even a family friend or somebody who has a really big position of authority over that person's life, that that's a, there's a big spiritual you know component to that as well. Um, and when you tie those two things together, being physically, sexually abused, and then you throw God in the mix. That dynamic, it's destroyed, literally destroyed lives where, where people have committed suicide. They've overdosed. They, you know, um, it, it, is, it led them, as in my case, to physically do things to your body. Even though I, I never said the words, I want to die. I was trying for over 25 years to kill myself. I just didn't know exactly what I was doing, right? And so I think that when you combine those two, that is one part of how damaging and how utterly devastating it can be to a human. No, I completely agree. I think in the cases I've noticed that takes you know, if you have sexual abuse without spiritual abuse, you can recover from that a lot faster, I feel like. Not to minimize sexual abuse in general. But when they're tied together, it's like... It's a double whammy for sure. I... It takes you... I don't know. It feels like forever to heal from that. And I don't know if you ever really truly heal from that you get to be able where you can manage it better i think that's a great way of putting it that you manage i think that's what we do we all right i you know i still have the nightmares we still have the triggers we still have things that affect us i don't i don't believe and 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 i think from my learned experience of working in this in advocacy and and the community of, of survivors Trauma is trauma is trauma, right? Whether you, it's you physically beaten or sexually abused or spiritual, whatever the whatever it is, whether there are multiple facets to it, um, or whether it's quote unquote just you know singular, you know it. Depending on how much of a support system the person develops, if they ever develop one, what access to resources do they have or none? You know, you, you, I think that's why it's so individual for that, for recovery and for healing um, and why it's so tough. No, um, I, 
you know, I'm on 20 years of trying to heal from all of this and I still haven't figured out half the answers, I think. But that's the important part of doing things like this, Rachel. I, 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 I genuinely believe it's why I very seldom, Linda and I, neither one of us, we very seldom say no when anybody says, hey, will you, would you mind talking about this or, or let's go do that? Unless it's a schedule conflict or, or in my case, I have to go have a surgery. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe. When I first started reaching out, it was, it was almost impossible to find any kind of resource, you know, maybe a book or two here and there, or a, a group here or there, but, but even having, even with online, there still wasn't always accessibility or availability. So the more people that talk about it, the more folks like yourself that do this, and, and you don't have to have quote unquote, all the answers. Ask sometimes just asking a good question helps. Yes, most definitely. Um, no, I uh, I'm doing EMDR for the second round, and I just think about all the th- and I'm doing yoga and tai chi, and those are supposed to be helpful. And I think some point they are, but just no, the journey is very long. It is. And, you know, so I just switched jobs and what I was doing, I was working for about six years in in a drug and rehab facility. And so, you know, probably at any given time, 50 to 90 percent of the clients there had experienced sexual abuse right oh yeah and so that's where it brought them you know and so and so i could i would be open with them this has happened to me and that way too it would bring that up to them you know it would be open open doors for them if they felt like they wanted to talk and so um, just as much as I've talked about it, not so much giving them my own personal everything, but um, I like to hear how other people have coped or are coping and what has helped them in their life, of course, other than the drugs, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I actually, I was in a conference once and, you know, people said, you know, the counselor was like, the drugs might have saved their life for that period of time. Right. Um, and so, you know, not to say drugs are a good thing, but it really, in all honesty, they didn't have the tools in order to survive. So that became the third part of their chair to survive. And then, and so, it, yes. Yeah, you mentioned EMDR. I know Linda has has had come home many times saying how much that EMDR had helped some of the clients there that yeah. they had done had worked with that. I know that's um, a lot of the trauma informed therapists that we have connected 
uh, um, sexual abuse survivors do. That's been something that's that's helped many of them. Um, yeah, and I've also done neurofeedback, which is probably a little bit. Well, mine was really intense, um, and that was that was helpful. But I think I was able to do EMDR. Think much better this round after doing neurofeedback. After doing that, yeah, and it makes sense. I, I get that. Yeah, because neurofeedback basically rewires your brain, mm-hmm. and then you know, then you can reprocess your memories better. Rachel Grant is a uh, is a, a good friend of ours, and that's a big part of her program is is rewiring the brain. Right, getting that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even sing enough of her good praises because that's that's who really helped me process through um, and, and like the big that that real big hard hurdle part at the beginning once you've come forward and you've you, you've said this is what has happened um, getting my brain to go from okay, there's the drugs. You can go take those and be numb to, oh, here's how I can rewire that off ramp to go this direction instead of that direction to have a better outcome. (laughs) Instead of ending up in prison, I can end up here in a relationship with Linda. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, I would say... Um, and it's, it's, it's also a grieving process of healing. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, the healthier you get, the more you lose relationships that you can no longer be in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, and, um, and thankfully we realized there's a choice to, you don't have to have them. (laughs) <laughs> that we don't have to have those relationships, nor do we need them, and realize how toxic they are or were um, or could be potentially. Um, so we have definitely become wiser, for sure, through all of our studies, through all of our talking with people, doing things like this with you, Rachel. Um it has truly opened our eyes up to a lot of, a lot. Um, so it, it is it, another reason why we like to do these things because it's, it's just as good for us as we hope it is for somebody else. This is therapy right here for, <laughs> for us, Rachel. So thanks. <laughs> Anytime. I mean, and the other thing is, is I noticed this when I went on a retreat, you know, and it was for sexual assault and it was for all ages, which I think that should not be combined with childhood sexual abuse victims after I getting back from that retreat. And I think you have to be at a certain place before you could start helping others. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've given that counsel. It's, it's, um, it, so in NANAA, one of the big rules they have is for this, for, um, somebody who's getting clean, um, or sober, 
hand oars over for them to not even be in a relationship for it, you know, to first be clean or sober for a year that they can't be a sponsee for it. You know, they got to be you near know, at least a year. They, they do that because there is this, I think there's this thing in humans that once we go, we get a, a solution to a problem you know, we get this fire. Oh, I got to go and tell everybody about this right now. And it's great. You don't want to quench that, but you have to try to temper it and teach them. You still haven't gotten to the point where you, you haven't gained enough yet, but it's so hard and so challenging. And I can't tell you how many times people who have gone against that council have ended up flaming out or, you know, falling back off the wagon or, 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 you know, falling back deeper in depression from the abuse, whatever it is, please take time. From, I, can, I can give you the exact number. It was five years from the time I came forward until I actually was doing something because I kept getting that every single time I would want to go and do, somebody would say to me, thankfully, somebody wise and somebody that I trusted would say to me, wait. Give it some more time. And that time ended up being about five years. And that doesn't mean that, I don't mean that has to be that, that amount of time for everybody. But for heaven's sake, wait at least a year, at least that long. I really believe you need to have two, at least two or three years of your own, at least that much, before you try to go out and do the advocacy things. Yes, and start small. Absolutely. You know, do small things, you know, before you try to take on something big, like a retreat with survivors and get some wise counsel. <laughs> There's some really great folks out there, right? You know, there are the Pete Singers and the Victor Beats and, and Bozjevich and there's some really great people out there. Ashley Easter, Rachel Green. You know, listen, yeah. Rachel Stone, listen to what she's telling you. <laughs> and I mean, I think the longer I, you know, you know, so when I was actually looking for, you know, help, I, you know, I think that's one of the wisest pieces of advice I found out recently is, you know, before you go do, you know, any side of treatment or, you know, especially groups. And I feel like you have to be really careful with groups and CPTSD. Um, yeah. uh, because I feel like a lot of times with PTSD, you mostly just end up either trauma bonding or triggering each other. Yeah. And you got it. And I'm not completely opposed, but they need to be well organized by people that have been doing it for a very long time. And keep and keep the groups small. That's that's something else that I have realized lately. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with Grace and your organization. Together we heal. Together we heal started with no altruistic motivations <laughs> whatsoever. I was simply I was just doing a journal, actually a physical journal. Um, of, of just what was going on with me. That was, you know, the therapist at the time I was seeing and my mom even mentioned it, you know, why don't you start writing these things down, which led to 
posting the blog because, and I can't remember who in my life said, you know, some, there may be others out there. And if you blog about mm -hmm. this, you may find out. That was 2011 when we started the, started the Together We Heal blog. And within weeks, I ended up with several other little boys who then were grown men who had said, yes, this happened to me, not at your church. It happened at this church in Georgia, or it happened at that church in Georgia. And, um, and we now know that he has had an untold number of boys all over church churches, all over the state of Georgia for decades. Um, and so as that was occurring, mm -hmm. I felt like I had a decision to make that either this was just going to stay this or were we just what we were talking about, or were we going to do something larger, you know, to, to do more than just the guise of this offender. And that's when um, I reached out to some folks from high school and some friends from college and, you know, one person designed the webs and then one person helped us, raised the money to, for the nonprofit status and, and organized it. Fortunately, we have a lot of great people that are on this team. Um, and so that's when we started. And its whole, its whole purpose has transitioned over the last, you know, I, I, it's hard to think about. It's 11, 11 years now. Um, there were times where we were solely focused on connecting survivors to trauma-informed therapists. Um, there were times where we were solely work, working on uh, doing, you know, teaching parents how to talk with their kids, um, what, just teaching them the basics, what is grooming, what is, you know, all of these things. Um, and so it's kind of become this, um, a place where people can go to find resources, um, where you can be taught, where you can... Um, connect with groups, whether it be, a, uh, as an example, a one in six, one of the male survivor groups, um, or, or you need, you know, hey, I, I, do you know of any therapists in our area? So it, we do a little bit of all of those things. Now, we try not to just focus on one thing. We're not trying to be everything to everybody, but we have some experience and expertise in those four areas. Um, and then with Grace, it's it is just about teaching at churches specifically protestant churches and i've done that all across the country from oregon to florida and everywhere in between um we teach them how to prevent abuse we teach them how to properly respond to both perpetrator and uh the victim and for the survivor um and so that's that's a that's a that's a big part of that part of, you know, that, that we were already doing these things with Together We Heal when the founder, Boz, came to us and said, hey, I'm, we would want to see about doing this pilot program with churches. And I didn't even let him finish asking the question. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely need, because right now they're doing it all wrong and they're still doing it pretty wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, they're, they just, they just don't know how to handle any of those situations. And I think it's getting better just because the knowledge is, I mean, we, 
I mean, sexual abuse has been going on since the beginning of time. Right. But I don't think it's been well understood until like at least the last 30 years. Um, I think Dan Allender's done a lot. Diane Lamberg. I mean, James Dobson had some good stuff, but some of his stuff I don't necessarily agree with today. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of Dobson at all. No. <laughs> I think, you know, at the beginning of his groundwork, there was some good stuff um, I would, for I, that yeah. for that era. There, for is that. Too, there are too many good people and too many good programs. Uh, you, know, go, you mentioned Grace, um, and, and we could we'd go off, but I, I, I would definitely recommend them go that direction. Go with Together We Heal, go with Grace, <laughs> um, versus... Um, because the Dobson slash fundamentalists slash, you know, when you go that road, the solution is that, that, provide, that they're going to provide is going to be not based in trauma-informed care always, um, maybe not at all. And, and I, I believe that trauma-informed care must take precipice over everything else. Um, because if they're not using trauma-informed care and they're telling you that you are actually the problem, that's when it becomes so dangerous to the survivors. Yeah. I mean, and it's been a long time since I listened to Dobson, probably over 20 years. So, um, okay. Okay. Gotcha. it's, you know, I do remember, as a small child, he had guests on there that had been abused, but I don't think, I think he was at the, the beginning period of it. And I don't ever know whatever happened later on. Um, and I think, well, I mean, I will say, you know, yes, there was a lot of fundamentalism in his stuff, but I think it was kind of scratching the surface at the, the beginning of understanding childhood sexual abuse on a larger scale. That that's all I would say too. I just I would just say be really cautious because it, that group of folks focus on new. They focus on the newthetic, that biblical training to the point of that I believe it's dangerous. That that's the I, only warning I would give. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with that. I mean, you know growing up in that environment, um, you know, Christian, you know, Southern Baptists arena, there's just a lot of toxicity there and a lot of things that just aren't well taught are well understood. Um, Hey guys, thanks for joining us. David and Linda will be back next week with part three to tell us the rest of their story on marriage and being survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Thanks for listening. Always tune in to your favorite podcast at Rachel on Recovery or on your social favorite social media platform or as always, reach out to us on www.rachelonrecovery.com. Thanks.